The word of our Lord from John's first New Testament epistle. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he, the Lord Jesus, is pure. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word. Bless it to our hearts, bless it to our minds, bless it to our very lives. And Lord, may we be transformed by the hope and the joy of your word. Help us to hear from you this morning as we read it. As we hear from you, Lord, we pray that you would transform us. And we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. The eternal triune God invites us into his family, his holy family. He welcomes us in. What a thought. What a reality John would have us to believe. In some of the early manuscripts of this first epistle of John in the New Testament, as John begins chapter 3, which in his version there weren't chapters and verses but as he begins that thought behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God some of the early scribes wrote out in the margins and that is what we are because for John this is not some mere thought this is a reality this is the reality of what God has caused us to be through his Holy Spirit he has made us children of the living God He's brought us into his family, adopting us as his very own, welcoming us at his table, bringing us in. And just as we are welcomed into our natural families through the waters of birth, so are we welcomed into the family of God through the waters of baptism. How we begin the Christian walk doesn't guarantee the end, but the beginning, and a good beginning, certainly does help. God may not have any grandchildren, but He sure is interested in families. God believes in family worship. God believes in family discipleship. God believes in family life that is centered in Jesus, that finds its, its very life source in Jesus. And so all throughout the scriptures and the Old and New Testaments, God is calling not just individual people, but he's calling families to himself, to know him, to love him, into covenantal relationship with him so that they might be his very own people. This is one of the points that Paul raises early in the early chapters of his epistle to the Romans. Specifically in chapter 3, Paul's been talking about how all have sinned and how all are under the curse of God because no one in his natural state does what is right. Even 
even those with the law or those without the law. Those without the law have a law written into their very conscience and they don't obey it. But even God's people, Paul says, don't live in the fullness of being God's covenantal people. And so Paul says, what vantage then has the Jew? In other words, what, what difference does it make if I'm a Jew or a Gentile? He says, or what is the profit of circumcision? His response is surprising. He doesn't say, oh, those things don't matter. He says, much in every way. It does matter. Chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Jesus told Nicodemus in that passage we know all too well. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For sure, baptism isn't all there is to the Christian life. There is the work of the Spirit of adoption. As the Holy Spirit woos us and draws us into the life of the Father, giving us assurance that we are God's children so that we might have confidence in Christ. And Paul even says, He is the one through whom we cry out to God the Father, Abba, Father. And so the Spirit is at work in the life, yes, of all people, but especially in the lives of those who are given to Him and submitted to Him. And He invites us into His family through the waters of baptism. And you know, there's a certain rest when you're with family, a certain rest that we know, a certain relaxation, a certain really sense of confidence, but not like the, you know, moxie type confidence, but, but simply a, a rest that comes over us when we're with family. And there's something within us that, that's, that whispers to us, ah, these are my people. These are folks I'm comfortable around. John invites us to find that sort of comfort in Jesus, that sort of family tie, that abiding rest in Jesus. In fact, when he calls us to abide in Christ, that term abide has to do with making one's rest in. Rest in Jesus. Make yourself at home in him, John says. See your life as something that has been grafted into the life of Jesus. He is the vine after all. We are the branches. And he's welcomed us in to his life source. And John calls us abide in him. Remembering Jesus' words to his disciples on that last night that he was with them. Maundy Thursday, the night in which Jesus was betrayed. He told them, abide in me so that you might bear fruit. Because that's what delights my Father, is that you bear the fruit of righteousness. Having been brought into the family, we, we soon learn about growing up in the family, which is a whole other matter altogether. Being in the family and growing up are two different things. First, there's the whole honoring the family name business. How do we honor the family name? By taking on the family character. By living like the family lives. You bring dishonor to the family name when you live out of step with 
the character of the family. John says plainly that to be born of him, to be born again, to be born anew, to be born into this divine family is to practice righteousness. That is the character of God's family. The character of righteousness and holiness. In Christ, we are called to be holy. There's no allowance for missing it. There's no way around it. Holiness is the norm. It is the standard. It is not the exception, but it is rather the rule. Those who claim to be the children of the Father had better live like Him, John tells us. In his small book on being a Christian, a study of 1 John, Dr. Oswald, who several in this room had the joy of having as an Old Testament professor, he tells this story, the famous story of the great General Alexander. Alexander the Great, you'll know. A young man was brought in before him on charges, and Alexander said to the sergeant at arms, what are the charges? Desertion in the face of the enemy, sir. Well, the soldier was clearly terrified. He was very young, only in his middle twenties or middle teens. Alexander said, Has this ever happened before? The young med said through stuttering lips, No, 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 sir. Is it ever going to happen again? No, 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 sir. All right, I'll let you go this time. As the young man turned to go in almost unimaginable relief, Alexander thought of something and said, Wait, what's your name? Now the young man was truly terrified. Finally, stumblingly, haltingly, he got it out. His name was Alexander. The general was out of his chair in a moment and grabbed the young man by the tunic and pulled him up close and said, Young man, You either change your name or you change your ways. John tells us very plainly, those who are born of God practice righteousness. They live holy lives for we are called unto holiness. And there are two roles at play in the work of growing up in the family. Because really, that's what growing up in the family is all about. It's about growing up into the image and the stature and the fullness of Christ, Paul would tell us. And there are two roles at play in this work of growing up in the family. There is his role in doing his work, which is to make you like himself. That's a work that we can't do. We can't will ourselves to live like God, but he can make us to live like him. And so his role is to do his work to make us like himself. But your role in doing your work is to submit yourself to his work. John tells us everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as the Lord Jesus is pure. And so there is our role, our our job, our task of growing up. And that is to submit ourselves completely to his work. 
to rid our lives of anything that contaminates it, anything that draws us away from Jesus. Only He can do His part, which is the work of grace. But only you can do your part, which is, as the hymnist put it so well, to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust Him and to obey Him. You see, faithfulness and faith go hand in hand. There is no faith without faithfulness and there can be no faithfulness, truly, without living faith in the Lord Jesus. So how do you grow into the family? Well, I want to offer to you a couple of things that I think might be in John's mind as he's calling us to live as children of the eternal triune Father, God. How do you grow into the family? You grow into the family by developing memories. After all, shared memories are a part of what it really means to be a family. The stories we tell, the same old stories, right? They get told a thousand times, but they never seem to get old. We tell them over and over again. Sometimes we get laughed at because of how often we tell the same stories. Tragically, I see some of you looking around. Tragically, that's right, I had you in mind, Linda. Tragically, our culture no longer has a Christian memory, which is part of our problem in evangelism. We assume that everybody knows about sin and about Jesus. However, if they know anything, they probably know a bunch of warped myths, not the reality. Like colorful but broken glass shards on a marble floor rather than beautiful stained glass windows of faith in the gospel of Jesus. Memories rest in the deepest recesses of who we are as people. Memories of childhood. Memories of loved ones. Memories of friends who've already left this world perhaps far too soon. Vacations. Embarrassments. You know how it is. Those memories, they're a part of who you are, a part of who I am, a part of who we are as a people, these memories. I have fond memories of growing up, many actually having to do with the sport of baseball. I remember playing Little League. Dad was one of my coaches. I remember... Hanging out in the living room, mom ironing clothes while Sid Bream rounds third like a slow-moving freight train with a mustache. I remember the thrill of hearing Skip Carey declare, Braves win! Braves win! What seemed like 40 times. Last night, Dad, Aiden, Pippin, and I were watching the last few innings of the Braves-Mets game. We were all tied up in the bottom of the ninth. With only one out, Camargo was on third, Ender was up at the plate. If I was a betting man, I would bet you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. But we're sitting there on the couch, and I said, Dad, what if he puts down a bunt? He should. A suicide squeeze would be perfect here. Old school. Nobody would see it coming. My dad's reply then was, Bobby, you know, Bobby Cox, Bobby would have called one. Wait a minute, 
Snitker's been around. He might. And wouldn't you know it, that second the pitch comes to the plate and Ender puts down a bunt, a suicide squeeze bunt, makes it safe to first, and the winning run scores. They tackle him in the outfield because he's running away from his teammates. They're so excited they're going to get him. What a memory. What a memory. And, and there I was with Aiden and Pippin and my dad watching a baseball game, something I loved as a kid, and here my kids are enjoying it with us. Those aren't the only memories I have of growing up, though. One of the greatest memories is something that happened every single week when I was growing up. Because every Saturday night, when I laid down in my bed and was tucked in, I have the memory of always knowing exactly what I would be doing the next morning. Because when Sunday morning came, it was church time. Sports memories are fun. But you want to know a better memory? A memory like this morning. Family and friends gathered around a little baby girl and a bowl of holy water. Thanking God for this sweet little girl. Seeking his blessing over her little life. Promising to raise her up to know him, to love him, and to serve him. To reflect him. <coughs> Memories. You want to grow up to be a child of God? You want to grow up as a child of God and, and really be a part of his family? Practice righteousness? Be like him? Start developing memories that matter. Some of us, if we don't change our ways, we will find ourselves looking in the mirror a short time from now, realizing that we don't really look all that much at all like our father. We just haven't really grown up in the family. Some of us, if we don't change our ways, will realize the same about our children. Time will pass. It'll seem all too quickly. And we'll say, what in the world happened? I thought we were raising a Christian family. My kids hardly know anything about church. They hardly know anything about Jesus other than maybe his name. Parents, what memories do we cherish with our families? And that'll be told in what memories we're developing for our kids. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. He welcomes us in. He invites us. Come, be a part of of my family. His spirit is at work in our lives, conforming us to his image. There's something else that goes into growing up in the family, and that is submitting your will to his. That's part of raising kids, right? The breaking of the will. It's the hardest task imaginable. There's a line in a Cool Hand Luke song that I both love and fear. Jesus is talking to his disciples on Monday, Thursday at the table. He's saying goodbye for now. And he tells them, I'll break your heart to mend your soul. We don't want Jesus to break our hearts. We don't want to be let down in life, to go through trials and hardships, to endure pain, 
It's distasteful to us. It hurts. We are far too good at asserting ourselves, fighting for our rights, demanding what's ours, declaring mine, insisting no. Digging in the heels of our self-will. And that's not toddlers. That's grown adults who call themselves Christians. But He is willing to break our wills in order for us to submit our wills to His perfect will. The good news that scares us is that God is willing to break our self-will in order to make us like Himself. In order to make us like His Son Jesus, who in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying out to His Father, said, Not my will, but yours. In order to bring us up in His family. But He doesn't crush. He only breaks in order to heal. He does not destroy us. He does not crush our will. He will simply break it so that it is brought into conformity with His. It's like building muscle. You know, anytime you go to the gym, anytime you work out, anytime you turn on the TV and pull up an exercise program and you're working out, you feel sore the next day because what you're doing is you're tearing down muscles. You're breaking your muscles so that they might replenish and grow stronger. And building muscle is an awful lot like building character. God invites us into His family so that we might share in His character. So that we might reflect Him and be like Him. So that our Father might look at us and say, Son, you've made me proud. You're living right. You're doing the right thing. You trust me completely and implicitly. But what about when you've wandered from home? You know, there are times in life when most of us have wandered away, wandered away from our faith. Maybe our faith in Jesus has grown cold. The love that we used to have for our Heavenly Father is wavered. We're disordered by life. We're disordered by sin. We're disordered by whatever's going on in life. And we find ourselves far from home and we say, well, what do I do now? How do I, can I get back? What do I do? When you've wandered from home, you make like a prodigal and head back home to your loving father. For now, he, lives, he leaves the light on and he leaves the door unlocked. He'll even run out to meet you, I'm sure. Because our Heavenly Father, who loves us more than His very own self, He welcomes us into His family and He calls us to live as His children and to reflect His character, to share in it. And He calls us to Himself, come, come home. Grow up in this home. Let's pray.